Woke up this morning into my car to start my day. First stop is my buyer, who six months ago walked away. When I arrived, he treats me like a commodity. Give me a speck on his inner connect, he wants price and delivery. And if we're over $20, he tells me this business we're gonna lose. He's got a singing that old, don't know value. Welcome, everybody, to the Value Clarity Podcast, where all we talk about is customer value, but that means there's so many things that go into it. We talk about lots of stuff. Today, I am thrilled to have David Newman, who is uh, an old friend for, what, four, five, six years, David? At least, yeah. Um, David is about to, and when this episode drops, I'll bet you that his new book will be out. It's called Do It Selling, uh, which is backwards in the thing here, but... Um, do it selling and all of his all of his um books are do it something there's do it marketing do it speaking uh david is he helps speakers consultants and coaches is is the core of your business tell me where i get this wrong um be more successful charge more sell more at higher prices yes and become more successful I will happily wear all of those monikers, my friend. You are correct. And so uh, he and I are kindred spirits because I'm all about helping larger companies than his clients. So we do the same thing for different sets of clients. Um, I help them sell more at higher value-based prices. So um, David and I are kindred spirits, and I'm so thrilled to have you on board, David. Thank you. Now, this will be fun. It's uh, nothing like kicking kicking ideas around with like-minded gurus. Yep. And and one of the other things I like about your book uh, is our, I don't know, I hope it's our shared hatred, but I hate the business book that is 32 pages worth of content in a 250-page package. For sure. Right? But David's book is 77 chapters in 250 six pages, 259 pages. So there is 77 ideas packed in, you know, four pages a piece. So he gets to the point very quickly on each of these very content rich stuff. So David, thank you. Congratulations. Yes. Well, and I also have short attention spans. So Mark, you know how this goes. Most most salespeople, most entrepreneurs, most business owners, they don't they don't want to open up a 300 page wall of text textbook that's dry and boring and uh, just, you know, bloviating on. And like, as you said, ideas per page, right? The density. Uh, so when people ask, well, David, how is your book different than all these other books on sales or just business books in general? I say, well, think about a random access website where you can literally dive in, start anywhere at any page, a random access website between the pages of a hardcover book. Or if you're on a Kindle, on a Kindle set of electrons. But it is meant to be rapid access, start anywhere. You got a prospecting question. You got a closing question. You got a pricing question. You have a positioning question. You have a lead gen question. Like the old spaghetti sauce commercial, Mark, it's in there. It's in there. 
And you don't have to, you, you can go directly to that chapter. You don't have to, none of the chapters are particularly prerequisites for the other ones. You might yeah. reference, you might reference them now and then, but um, you get to the point and that's great. Now, I, I found, you know, I, I love, I'm looking at number 77, right? Which is the last idea in the book. And it's near and dear to my heart. The title of the chapter is all you do is talk. The idea being, look, what you're selling is hot air and you're charging how much for air? And of course, and, and you, the instructions you had closely mimic my definition of value because customers do not buy your hot air. They do not buy what you sell. Surprisingly and sadly, they don't buy my hot air. I wish they did. I <laughs> wish right. they did. But what they buy is the outcomes that they achieve for themselves, for their own reasons, from doing business with you. Yes. And so, I mean, your your suggested talk is, you know, the investment of this program that talks about all the outcomes that you wanted to, that you envisioned is X dollars. And you said 32,000. But uh, most clients start seeing that personal and professional returns and those outcomes right away, sometimes even before the end of the session, I'm sure you'll feel the same. And if it doesn't, you know, it's usually not my fault. So I, I that's it, right? The idea is everything you talk about with a customer has to be about, not about what you sell, not about what you say, not about what you do, not about your stuff, but about what they experience when they see your stuff, what they experience when they do business with you, their yes. outcomes. And that can, sure. be, that can be a business outcome. I started selling more. That could be a personal outcome. I stopped having arguments with my wife about money. I started being able to go home at night. I stopped having to work so much overtime. Yeah, I started working more efficiently and having more personal life. I had lower, like there are business things, but there are personal things. Both of them are fair game. And as a matter of fact, the business outcome selling more is what they buy. The personal outcome, so I could stop having unpleasant conversations with my spouse is why they buy. Yeah. So you need both. And if you, you know one, do. if you know one and not the other, you still haven't made a sale. But if you know right. both at the same time, yeah, that's the key. So totally spot on. And the way that I talk about this in the Do It Selling book is a, a lot of professional services sellers, but I, I'm even going to go a lot of salespeople. Period. No matter what you're selling, they focus on what their product or service is. No one cares about what it is. What we need to focus on, and this is what you're saying, Mark, in slightly different language, focus on what it does and focus on what it means. So when they buy your product, service, transformational, wonderful program, whatever that is, um, and in our case, in professional services, it's going to be some form of consulting, training, speaking, facilitation, whatever. Do not focus on what it is. Focus on what it does, meaning what does it catalyze? What does it cause to happen? What results are going to be generated? What problems are going to be solved? And then what it means is that emotional level. 
Yeah. Are you going to feel relief? Are are you going to feel proud? Are you going to feel excited and energized about your work, about your team, about your company, about your future, about your sales potential, about whatever it is? So what it does can be tactical and practical, but it's outcome focused or it's problem focused. What it means can often be emotional, emotional. And, you know, what is the, the impact? What is the uh, emotional result? What negatives have been erased and what positives have been created in the emotional life of that economic buyer where they wake up in the morning, they look forward to work again. They're looking forward to going in the office. There's no more bickering, gossip, gab, grapevine, nonsense. Uh, They now have a seat at the table. They've got more influence. They've got more credibility. They're now a leader that somebody wants to follow. All of these soft, squishy things. And folks that are listening might be like, well, I don't care about soft, squishy things. My buyers don't care about soft, squishy things. If your buyers are human beings, they do. They do. They might not express it in soft, squishy terms. So I had a client once, Mark, and I'm sure you've had many, many clients like this, where they're kind of selling a hard science solution, and they're selling it to scientists and engineers. This person said to me, David, your stuff is not going to work. It is not going to work with my people. My people are scientists. They're engineers. They're robots. They don't have, they don't even have feelings. And I said, (laughs) aha, my friend, you are wrong. They may not express their feelings. But believe me, when they go home and they're playing with their puppy, probably scientists and engineers have cats as opposed to dogs. But anyway, when they're playing with their kitten, when they're playing with their kids or their grandkids, when they're sitting down with a glass of brandy by the fire with their spouse of 42 years, trust me, they have feelings. They have emotions. Whether they express them or not, totally irrelevant. Yeah, I... Man, there's about four questions I wanted to ask you there, right? Um, one is this whole thing about storytelling. And and we talk about storytelling, and which stimulates in the um, amygdala of your brain, the, the visualization center. The amygdala is your visual. So st- telling a story causes somebody to become more visceral and reacting to your business or the personal benefits. I also propose not just storytelling, but story asking, saying this person experienced this. What would it mean in your life if you were to experience that? And now you're asking that person not to watch the movie that you just told them in your story, but to write, compose, star in, direct, produce, lighting, design, costumes, props, a story about themselves, being themselves. So what does that mean? What would, and uh, one of the favorite questions is, what does this mean to you in your role as, right? So I I sell to um, big social groups, right? You're selling a piece of software. There's somebody in finance, the department manager, the IT manager, the CFO, the CEO, and on, on and on and on and on. Uh, average of 6.8, 12 and 15 is very common. And so I tell people, Imagine those 12 to 15 people, that 6.8 people in a conference room deciding whether to buy from you or not. Those people can choose to say nothing or to say something. And when they say something, it can be something good about you or bad about you. So 
if they choose the what what they say about you is going to be about those business objective things what comes out of their mouth is the objective thing if we buy from so and so this is what we'll achieve and it's always that objective business thing because they're what you talk about what comes out of your mouth is a business thing but the reason they have the courage and the motivation to not stay silent in a social group the reason they get the courage is because the personal thing if i can only get the group to decide on this based on my business justification i personally get to go i will get less overtime i personally will get a promotion i personally right but that doesn't come out of their mouth so Boil that down to a smaller sale where you're selling to one person, they still have it. It still happens, right? What comes out of their mouth and the conversation is all on that business objective, hard stuff. But what makes them want to have an appointment with you, what makes them want to engage with you is the personal stuff. For sure. Absolutely. The business stuff is what they buy. The personal stuff is why they do so. Yes. And I also, let's talk about this because I think a lot of people, when they hear us talking like this about, well, you talk about this, but it's really about that. They feel it's a little bait and switchy. They feel it's a little, well, here's the two unethical sales guys again. But what Mark is saying is completely spot on. Here's my spin on it. A lot of times in sales, we talk about sell them what they want and then give them what they need. And then some people look at that, they kind of scrunch up their face and go, well, that doesn't really feel right. That doesn't really feel ethical. That doesn't really feel like I'm in, in integrity with my mission here as a sales professional. I would say that, that that phrase is incomplete. And here's how I want everyone listening and watching to complete this phrase anytime that you hear that ever again. Because this is how sales really works. We do sell them what they want. We do give them what they need so that they get what they want. So ultimately, we do close that loop, right, Mark? Yeah. And so it's like, of course, you sell them what they want. You give them what they need so that they get what they want and you actually deliver the results that you said. Now, yeah. buyers are not going to be as smart necessarily as salespeople, just like patients are not necessarily as smart as doctors, but the doctor treats the patient based on the complaint that they come into the office with. They do the surgery or give the medicine so that that patient has a better outcome and a better life and they can walk again pain-free or they can, you know, they can run with a, you know, a new stent in their heart or something. I'm not, you know, I, I, I was pre-med. That's as far as I went. But that, that I think, eliminates a lot of this hesitation around asking the right questions, probing in the right direction. Because if that little voice in your head is going, well, but we don't really deliver that. Well, but that's not really the main point here. Are you, are you selling them what they want? Are you then giving them what they need so that ultimately they do get what they want? The answer almost always is yes. So yeah, you're a high integrity yeah. salesperson. Take take a deep breath. You got this. Yeah, you're absolutely right, David. Um, I, I've heard that before. You're being a little manipulative, and no, you're not being manipulative. You are going deeper to 
not only the business motivations and the personal motivations, the way I described it, what they buy is the business, why they buy is the personal. Yeah. And you have to know both. Where did I say I'm giving up the business thing they asked for? Never. Right. I'm only helping them make a decision. The, the problem in my world with large groups making buying decisions is that they will go into a conference room, schedule it for an hour to decide what they're going to buy. And after two and a half hours, they say, God, what we're doing sucks, but not as bad as making a decision. So let's just keep on with the status quo. Yeah. The problem in big, com the bigger the company, the worse that it's called high centering. If you're if you're um, ever been on a four wheel drive and you you get the front tires and the rear tires in the air and the middle of the car is high centered, right? And so the wheels are spinning, but nothing's moving. Um, groups of people making buying decisions get high centered. They can't make a decision by giving everybody in the room the reason to make a decision. You're actually moving them off dead center. You're getting yes. them to do, I mean, the alternate to buying, not buying from you might be buying something else, but um, it's almost always 60% of the time now, it's do nothing. It's stick with what's broken because we're all so afraid to make a decision. Right. So that does no, that does nobody any good. And does your customer the least good of all? Yes, Absolutely. And I think one of the things, and we talk about this in the Do It Selling book, is selling in a way and holding this conversation in a way that uncovers their own natural urgency. Because that's another thing that people say, oh, sales pressure. We don't like pressure. Well, my friends, what if the pressure doesn't come from you as the salesperson? What if the pressure is organic and it's natural and it comes from the buyer and it's not pressure, it's urgency? Yeah. Right, it's re relevance plus urgency, their own urgency. And this is why we have to ask questions because prospects never argue with their own data. If yeah. they tell you it has to be fixed right now, well, Bob, tell me more about why it has to be fixed right now. What's and happening now that is making this a priority? Does yeah. your CEO need to fix this now? You know, is is she even aware that this is a problem or is this like the number one thing on her radar? And then also let's talk about objection prevention, which is a separate part of the do it selling book. Sometimes we get blindsided and there's not a lot of sources. There's like five, six typical objections, right? Mark, you know them. I know them. Many folks listening know them as well. You have a beautiful sales conversation. Maybe it's even a series of sales conversations. And they come back, and like you said, inertia is one of your big competitors. And they say, you know, we're we're not going to worry about this now. Call me back in six months. Meaning the urgency was like close to zero. But you never asked any urgency or priority questions. Yeah. So if you don't ask, you're not going to find this out. So sometimes when I see a little bit of interest from a prospect, one of the questions that's in one of the frameworks in the Do It Selling book is, Tell me about the competing priorities to solving this now. I'm sure there's a lot of other stuff going on. What would derail you wanting to pursue this effort? What yeah. would, and let's even say we get started, right? Three months from now, we're just about to, you know, do some big step or phase or stage of the project. What might derail us three months from now? And then they'll say something like, well, Mark, you know, it's funny that you say that. 
three months from now, we're moving our cor our corporate headquarters. And so, yeah, that would be a huge disruption. And I'm not sure we could do anything. Now, do you want to find that out in the first or the second call? Or do you want to find that out in the seventh call when you've wasted a whole bunch of time, wasted a whole bunch of energy, and there's a gigantic obstacle in your way, but you didn't find out about it because yeah. you didn't ask what other competing priorities and urgencies might get in our way? Yeah. And, and you know, before that question, it, early in your discovery process... Um, I preach, understand them, their business. 80, like Gardner said, 85% of the salespeople, the, they ask buyers and the buyer said 85% of the salespeople who call me, call on me, do not understand my situation or my business at all. And only 3% understand my business and my situation well enough so that I'm willing to call them a trusted expert. So here's, here's a simple thing. Find out what their priorities are. What are the big fires? What are the, what is that company trying? What is top management saying? We've got to do that this month. And how can you turn what you sell, what you're selling into that priority? And for a speaker, for a consultant, for a coach, what you sell, your intellectual property is so flexible that it's relatively easy to turn what you're selling into one of their top red hot flaming alligator hair on fire priorities become one of their top priorities and all you have to do is find out what their big priorities are that's yes. the hard part and that ain't that hard right for sure for sure well it's about putting yourself based on what you just said it's about putting yourself in the crosshairs of where they're already spending money, where they're already spending effort and energy and ego, right? That's the other. Let's talk about this for a second, because, man, I think a lot of sellers get this wrong or they totally skip over this step. Typically, macro level, buyers will buy for three reasons. Uh, make time, save time. Obvious. Make money, save money. Obvious. Third one is ego. So there's time ROI. There's money ROI, return on investment. There's ego ROI. Ego ROI is way more powerful than either of the other two. Ego ROI is people don't want to feel dumb. They don't want to feel left out. They don't want to feel that they're falling behind the competition. They don't want to feel that they're going to be sideswiped or bushwhacked or there's lions right around the corner. So people want to feel proud. They want to feel strong. They want to feel tall, handsome. In my case, they want to feel like they have hair, like Mark. They, you know, they want to feel capable. They want to feel positive about their future. Uh, they hate surprises. They hate being blindsided. And they hate being left behind. So how can you reposition, exactly as Mark just said, how can you reposition or add a layer of ego ROI that will make them feel that they are safeguarded, they are protected from feeling behind and, and less than, and their competition's gonna eat their lunch, and there's some trends and market forces and changes. This could be anything. This could be regulatory. This could be compliance. This could be virtual reality. This could be artificial intelligence. I mean, AI is gonna eat everybody's lunch at some point. Uh, or that's the that's the common myth. I don't really believe that, but that's what prospects sometimes believe. 
right? Automation is our enemy. Unionization is our enemy. Someone out there is the enemy. How can you show up as the knight on the white horse and saying, don't worry, follow me. I know the way. You're not going to be blindsided. You're not going to be trapped. You're not going to be left behind because that ego ROI, especially at the C-suite level, man, you want to talk about where ego ROI lives? Ego yeah. return on investment lives in the C-suite. If you're selling to C-suite buyers, this is way more important to them than make yeah. time, save time, make money, save money. Yeah. And so, Dave, um, you're absolutely right. 100% right. And what everybody's saying is like, geez, how do I do that? And there's one word, credibility, right? You're helping them trust that what you're going to do is not going to surprise them, is not is going to deliver that ego. And so the, tr the trust, right? We all... I hate this phrase, people buy from people they know, like, and trust. That's BS. First of all, yeah, they know you, but that doesn't do anything. They know lots of people. And we all know that people buy from very cold fish salesmen that they don't like. So maybe that's important, but they have to trust you. That's all right. I hate the fact that no, like, and trust puts two words that dilute the trust. Because yeah. trust, right? Trust is the only thing that matters. And you have to, it, it's not that hard to know your customer's business in ways that they don't. Because everybody that you're talking to, except for the CEO, manages or works in some department or silo. And they know all about their own silo, but they don't know how the silos fit together. They don't know what's broken between them. Um, and so you can know a lot about your your customer's business. You can help them say, your boss just went on in, in this article in a trade magazine. He said, these are my big priorities for this year. How are you helping your boss deliver those? I would love to help you do that. And here's here's my idea. Um, and so the trust, the trust that you build from knowing and understanding them and their situation, there's no better way to build trust. Your thoughts. Yeah. No, absolutely. Well, there's, uh, there's I don't know what I don't know what chapter that is in, in no it's it's in stuff. there because it's it's about you know you're on a stakeout so you're on a stakeout and I mentioned a story in the book about there's a, a detective show and they were they were on a stakeout and they're following this guy they've got listening devices they've got hidden cameras they're following his every move who he meets with where he goes when he leaves the apartment when he comes back all of this stuff. At some point, they lose him. And he has a big meeting with some big you know, crime world underboss. And uh, th they just lost them. No video, no audio, no GPS tracking. They have no idea where this guy went, what he did, what he said, who he met with. So they go back to the station house and they meet with the captain. This is like one of those old crusty detective yeah. captains. And the captain says, you did what? You lost him. I told you, you need to track this guy every move, every minute of every hour of every day, what he does, where he goes, who he meets with. You need to know how he likes his eggs. That was the punchline. We need to know how our prospects like their eggs. So when you say know them better than they know themselves, and I agree with you, it's not hard 
And the one thing that makes me bananas, and Mark, maybe you too, one thing that makes me bananas is a lazy seller, someone who's not willing to do that kind of detective work, which is maybe 15, 20 minutes per prospect or per company. So you need to know how they like their eggs. You need to know everything about their day-to-day, what they're up against, what's frustrating to them, what's exciting to them, what they're looking forward to, what they're fearful of. Now, again, that's going to be from the outside, just like we're doing a stakeout as a detective. But then when you show up to that initial conversation, you've got 80% more information than any other salesperson that has ever crossed their, their transom. And that's where you get that you know 3%, 5%. It's like, well, this person sounds like a trusted advisor. This person sounds like an expert because they're not coming in going, so what do you guys do around here? What keeps you up at night? What exactly? I I hate that question. I mean, you and I could just have like a big long list of sales gripes of all this terrible sales advice. But yes, but the the mantra is you need to know how they like their eggs. Yeah. And you 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 used a phrase that I've stopped using. It's not wrong. I've just stopped using it because I'm a nitpicker. Uh, you said you have to know their business better than they do. There's parts of their business that they will always know better than you of do. Of course. I use the phrase now, you have to know their business in ways that they don't. That's even better. That is yeah. even better. And so I, I purposely, I mean, because they don't understand how their own silos fit together. They don't understand what's broken between the silos. They don't understand what's broken in the other silos. They think they know and they whine about it, but they don't really know. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's my nitpick. You're, you, I think you're absolutely right. But um, know their business in ways they don't. Know their business better than they do, which is, yeah. which is, which is also true, but um in a particular way and this is also why it's really important to dial in a very specific target market where you are going to set up shop you're going to set up camp every conversation is going to teach you something about that particular type of buyer in that particular type of company in that particular type of situation now Everyone's situation is quote unquote unique and and it is, it's just not that different. So if you have, let's say 30 conversations with technology company CFOs, each one of those 30 technology company CFOs, they're going to have their own different foibles and challenges and some are market leaders and some are not market leaders. Some are big giant corporations, some are more mid-sized companies. So there's going to be significant variation. But imagine what you will learn and imagine what you'll be able to ask when you hit number 31, when you hit number 59, when you hit number 76. Yeah. So if all we're talking to is technology company CFOs, you are getting an MBA. You are literally getting an MBA in that type of prospect and what really makes them tick and what are some of the buying levers. Don't worry about how to sell them. Worry about what they want to buy and why they want to buy and what their motivations and priorities and urgencies and strategic initiatives are. And once you start really digging deep into a target market, it is an education in and of itself. Yeah. To murder a famous quote by Mark Twain, customers don't repeat themselves, but they do rhyme. 
Yeah, very nice. Exactly. <laughs> so, David, what a great conversation. How do people get a hold of Do It Selling? Is it on the big A? It is on the big A. It is where fine books are sold. You can go right to doitselling.com, and there's some companion tools and downloads and bonuses there. Our main website is Do It Marketing. And so there's also a blog over there and a podcast and some free training. Uh, I will also drop a link to the Do It Marketing Manifesto which is a 37-page PDF that's awesome for salespeople. That's doitmarketing.com forward slash manifesto. Excellent. And how do people get a hold of you if they want to? So hit me on LinkedIn. I am David J. Newman. My middle initial is J, but you can search for David Newman Sales, David Newman Marketing, and I'll come right up. Uh, you can also just email me directly, david at doitmarketing.com. Let me know that you heard me on Mark's show and we will have a beautiful conversation. That's great. Uh, and thanks for thanks for your time, David. Great conversation. I, we could keep going. Um, so, and thanks everybody for joining us on this episode of the Value Clarity Podcast, where we remind you that value for what you do or sell only exists in your customer's mind, which means that sales... Marketing is a lot more like brain surgery than you initially thought. Thanks and go out and have a high value day. Well, it ain't easy because value's in your buyer's brain. If you're selling on only your features, you're going to drive both of you insane. And if you ignore your customers' outcomes, you're bound to be paying your dues because you'll be singing those old don't know value This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.